Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Him. You know, it's easy to think of doubt as a sign of weak faith, but actually it's not. God isn't afraid of our doubts, so we don't have to be either. Each year, so many people walk away from the Christian faith because they don't know how to deal with their doubts. One of the greatest obstacles to faith for many is actually judgmental and hypocritical Christians. So in this message, we'll consider what we can do when Christians let us down. Hey everyone, want to welcome you. Today we are in the third part of a five-week message series from Life Church called Doubting God. And in this message series, we're talking about what do we do with the questions and the doubts that inevitably we will face. And no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, there'll be moments of doubt. We, we learned that John the Baptist had moments of doubt, that Peter had moments of doubt, and you and I will as well. And one of the things we're kind of aiming at and thinking about through this series is how faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is the decision to trust Jesus in spite of your doubts and in spite of your questions. And that's what we're trying to do is we want to be a church that is open to allow people to wrestle with their doubts, wrestle with their questions and bring them to Jesus. And that's what we're trying to do throughout this uh, series. Well, over the years, I've heard a lot of complaints about church. Uh, uh, some people complain at our church about the potholes. Um, if you ever come to our services in person, sometimes it can take an act of faith just to get into the parking lot and to trudge through the mud. Some people have complained about the, the being too dark in the auditorium or too loud at times. And, and I recognize all of those things. But really, the kinds of complaints that really concern me uh, are those when I hear people um, talking about how they've been hurt uh, by other Christians. In fact, for a lot of people, especially if you're new to faith or coming to church, um, your perception of Christians and the church at large might be that Christians are, are judgmental, that Christians are narrow-minded, or that Christians are hypocritical or hypocrites. And I think sometimes um, those objections are actually kind of fair. And I know for me, growing up in church, uh, there was always those times where, like in youth group, there was this student leader who uh, would be, you know, preaching or leading worship, and the pastor and all the, the, the youth workers were all like, this kid's so amazing. And then I would see what they're doing on Friday night. I would see how they behave at school and be like, they're so hypocritical. Like, what is this? And maybe you work for somebody who claimed to be a Christian and they took advantage of their employees. They didn't treat people fairly. And you thought, what? Like, how does Christianity and Jesus line up with this person who claims to be a Christian? Maybe you've had an experience in church where a church leader, a pastor, a youth worker, a deacon, somebody in a place of spiritual authority misused their power and authority, uh, abuse, theft, all these kinds of things. And of course, when you, whenever a pastor or a leader falls or fails, it's usually front page news. Everyone's talking about it and people just go, well, there we go again. Christians being judgmental, hypocritical, and narrow-minded. And unfortunately, uh, that is not who our leader and the one whom we follow is. Jesus, uh, it is said that he came full of grace and truth. And yet, why is it that for so many people, when they think of Christians, they think of, of Christians who are, who are full of deception and lies, judgment. Uh, there's a disconnect. In fact, there's a quote here from Brennan Manning, and he says this. He says, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, 
and then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. So today, the title of our message is When Christians Let You Down. We're going to turn to Matthew 23. We're going to see what Jesus has to say about religious people who claim one thing and do another. Here's what he says in Matthew 23, verse 27. Woe to you, it's a strong warning, scribes and Pharisees. Now, by the way, these are religious leaders. These are the people everyone looked up to. He says, you're hypocrites, okay? Now, this word hypocrites actually used 17 times in the Bible, and every single time it's used, Jesus uses it. If you have an issue with hypocrites, guess what? Jesus has a bigger issue, and he's the one that brings it to light. Here's how he continues. He says, you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. It's like Jesus actually equates the religious leaders of his day with the cemetery. He's like, there's these beautiful stones, with beautiful poems and flowers and gardens and manicured grass. Everything looks great. But as soon as you start digging beneath the surface, what you're going to find is nasty. You're going to find dead stuff and bones. And, and he says, that's what you're like. He goes on to say, you also appear outwardly righteous to others outside. Everyone looks, everything looks great, but he says inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. In fact, this word hypocrite that we all know so well, it is actually a word that Jesus borrowed from the Greek theater. And the actual Greek word is hypocrites, And it actually means somebody who is an actor. Okay. Now in, in the Greek theater, they, they had uh, actors who would play multiple roles and they would do that by using a mask. And so they might have one mask, you know, the damsel in distress, Ooh, save me. And then they would have the eagle villain mask. The same actor would put on a mask. And I know this one's creepy. I found it on Amazon. It was really cheap, but they would put on the mask and then they would play a different role and they would be switching masks. And Jesus says, a hypocrite is somebody who claims to love God, who claims to live in a certain way and actually lives in a, they're a bad actor. When I was a kid, I was into skateboarding and you know, you knew a real skater cause they had a worn out high quality board. They had certain clothes, shoes, they had a skateboard haircut and you were like, that guy's a real legit skater. And then you'd have somebody that showed up and had all the right clothes, said all the right things, looked the part and they couldn't skate at all. And we called them a poser a fake. This was a person that claimed something, tried to present themselves as something significant. And, and there was nothing of truth in it. Jesus literally says those who claim to love God and do this and then act in a way that is, they're like bad actors. They're putting on a mask. They're putting on a show. And Jesus was not impressed. In fact, he says to them, you guys, you blow a trumpet whenever you, it's like, big donor coming, right? And they would come and they would bring their big gift and everyone would cheer and they would put my name on the side of the building. And Jesus says, don't do that. When you give, give in secret. Not because it's bad that someone else knows that you gave something. It's a, it's a, it's a motive check. It's like, why am I giving? Am I giving so everyone goes, oh, you're so generous. Or am I giving because I love God and I care about people? And he says, give in secret and your heavenly father will reward you in secret. He says this, he says, hey, when you pray, don't, don't pray to be seen by others. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray in my King James's English with every scripture I know so I can impress everybody around me. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't, don't put on a show. 
What, what Jesus says is he actually says, go into your closet by yourself, shut the door and pray to your father who sees in secret and he will hear and he will reward. So Jesus has a real issue with people who put on a show. In fact, Jesus in this case was not calling out the sin of these leaders, although they had sins like you and I do. He's actually calling out the show. He's got an issue with this, putting on the fake face. He's got an issue with the show. Notice he didn't say, woe to you who cuss, who smoke, and who drink. And I use those three because when I was a kid growing up in church, those were like the three things that sinners outside the church did. They cussed, they smoked, and they drank, and people inside the church didn't. And I don't know who came up with that list or why those things were chosen in particular because it was interesting because inside the church, it seemed, at least as a kid, I thought, well, it seems like it's okay if you gossip. It seems okay if you look down your nose in arrogance on other people. And it seems okay. Uh, gluttony seems okay. Every time the church would gather, out would come the food, the salads, bring on the mayonnaise. Like, it was just like, it was crazy, right? So it's like, my point is not to say we all sin and it's all fine. My point is to say we pick certain things and we make it look good to the world. And we think that is what makes us good with God. And it certainly doesn't. Jesus wasn't calling out the sin. He's calling out the show. Don't, don't do that. Jesus continues in verse 33. He says, you serpents. He calls them snakes. Now, I think regardless of the century you're in, I think when you call somebody a snake, it's not, it's not a good thing. You snakes, you brood of vipers, like a whole bunch of snakes all coiled up together in a clump. It's nasty. How are you to escape from being sentenced to hell? Uh, Jesus, as we're going to see, has grace for people who stumble, have grace for people who fail, but people who put on a show and pretend they've got it all together, he does not have a lot of grace for those people. So if you're listening today and you've been hurt by Christians, and I'm sure if you've been around church for any length of time, you've been hurt by a Christian. Uh, I want to share with you uh, some different ways to think about this that may be helpful for you as you ultimately learn um, to let some of that hurt go and to receive healing. Uh, here's the first thing I want you to understand. Number one, uh, some claim Christ, but are not really Christians. Now, I'm not suggesting that we run around and try to figure out who's Christians and who's not, right? That's not our, that's, that's for God to decide. But I would say this, not everybody who claims to be a follower of Jesus claims the label Christian is actually a Christian. They're not all have the Holy Spirit inside them and are being transformed. Like that's not the case. And uh, Titus says this in Titus 1.16, Paul writes, uh, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. Essentially, Jesus said it this way. He said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. And so if you're not sure what kind of tree it is, if you just wait long enough, you'll see leaves. And if you keep waiting, there'll be fruit and you'll know, oh, that's the kind of tree it is. And in the same way, given time, someone can claim to be a Christian or to claim not to be a Christian. But over time, you begin to see their life and the things that they produce. And you'll begin to understand that they are either a Christian or not. And I would say one of the things I've learned as a pastor is to be really patient with this process. Because sometimes uh, people show up and they're messing up and they have issues and you assume that they're not Christian because of their behavior. But really, God's at work. And if you are patient and you give them some time, you begin to see transformation. Because, again, one of the things we focus on as humans is we focus on external appearance, right? We want to put on a mask. We want everyone to look at. We want to put on a filter on our life. But God wants to actually transform our hearts. He doesn't want us to pretend to be good. He wants us to be good. He wants to change our desires and our motives. You know, um, years ago, I've shared this story before. We, my wife and I bought a little mini orange tree in Florida. And we brought it, and we really hoped that it would produce some little oranges we thought it would be cool to have in our house. And we, we put it in, in this one room, and it, for years, it just produced leaves, 
And we actually began to wonder if it would ever produce fruit. It was finally when we moved it to a new location uh, that it started to produce some fruit, which was really exciting. And now as I was writing this message this week, I was sitting on my chair looking at this little tree full of oranges. And I thought, wow, if you give people time and sometimes God's at work and it seems like nothing's happening and it just takes a little step, a little transition, something changes and all of a sudden fruitfulness and growth begins to happen. So I would say this, sometimes people hurt you and you're like, I can't believe a Christian did that. And they're not even a Christian. It leads me to the second thing. Sometimes people are Christians, but they're not mature. I I did a message series uh, last year called uh, The Deep End. And what we talked about in there is how like, just like in the natural, we have babies and teenagers and adults. Our spiritual development is something like that. When someone comes to faith in Jesus, they actually start a process almost like a baby in their faith and they grow over time in the Lord and in their faith. And, um, you know, in the natural, we give a lot of grace to babies, don't we? Like they'll, you give a baby some food, they spit it on the floor. And you don't get mad at them. You don't take it personally. They're doing something they shouldn't, but they don't know better. In fact, I don't know if you saw the Jesus Revolution uh, movie that came out recently. Um, I was watching a YouTube clip from the, the band in the movie that was like the hippie band. And I saw an interview of them much later in life. And they were saying how um, they were so radically converted to Christ. And they all got baptized as a band. And then they went to the bar and got drunk. And they were laughing. They're like, we didn't know that that's not how you celebrate getting baptized. Like, they just had no clue. But over time, they grew in their understanding and they began to know the difference. In fact, Hebrews 5.13 says this. Someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. But solid food is for the mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. And so there's a a growth that happens. And so sometimes Christians have hurt you because they're immature and they don't know better. And it's just helpful to know that, you know, some of you have been familiar with the martial art called Taekwondo. All right. Taekwondo has something that was really cool. I'll put it up on the screen here. Uh, Taekwondo has a whole bunch of different belts. And so when you show up to Taekwondo and it's your first time, they actually give you a white belt right? And the white belt actually means that you're a beginner and everybody looks and sees your white belt. They know you're a beginner. And over time you can progress through the belts finally to, everyone knows this, black belt is the highest level. Here's something you may not know. I happen (laughs) to have a black belt. Yeah, it's leather. I wear it with my dress pants. (laughs) Sorry, I I had to say that. Anyways, the point I'm trying to make is, wouldn't it be cool if in the church, everyone had a belt and they wore it at church and we knew where they were at in their spiritual growth? And so if somebody offended you and you're like, oh, they're just a white belt. They're brand new to the faith. They don't even know any better. And then if somebody's a brown belt or a black belt or one of these higher ranks, then you could actually challenge them, right? Because when a black belt and a white belt are sparring in the gym, the black belt doesn't go, there's no spin kicks. Okay. They're going to kill somebody. Right. And the black belt knows that when the white belt punches them and leaves their face and body exposed, they don't attack. They instruct, they give grace. And so I think so much of the hurt and heartache that happens in church is a a lack of understanding of the maturity level and a lack of grace, uh, for, uh, for one another, which leads me to the third thing. Some people are Christians who will hurt you. They are maturing and they still mess up. Like none of us have attained the highest level. None of us are at Jesus's level. Uh, No matter how spiritual you are, no matter how much maturity you have in your faith, you're still going to have moments of selfishness. You're still going to have moments when you fail the people you love. You say something you shouldn't say. 
And, and so we understand that, that none of us has arrived and we are all vulnerable in some sense uh, to failure. Uh, Galatians 6, 1, Paul writes this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, he's not talking here about Christians criticizing people outside the church. He's talking about brother to brother, sister to sister in the church. You who are spiritual should restore the other person in a spirit of gentleness. My guess is if you've been hurt by Christians, if you've been hurt in church by leaders, by other Christians, chances are they confronted you or called you out or judged you. And it was not in a spirit of gentleness. And it leaves scars and it leaves wounds and it's hypocritical. And I think many of us have experienced something like that in our past. Paul goes on to warn. He says, keep watch over yourself, lest you too be tempted. Lest you too be. It's funny. The person that's usually running around pointing the finger at other people is often the person who gets embroiled in scandal later, right? You know this. And and so we need to be careful that when we're calling other people out and confronting them, that we do it gently And we do it with a a close watch on our own heart and our own life. The truth is, we all fall short of God's glory. None of us are perfect. And that's not an excuse to say nothing, like we can all do whatever we want. What I'm saying is, we need to have grace and approach each other in a spirit of gentleness. It's interesting to me, though, that when we fall short, right? So if I fall short, I tend to blame it on my circumstances, right? Ah, it's the way I was raised. It's my parents' fault. I was put in a situation where I had to lie. Uh, and, you know, I was put in this awkward situation, so I did it because of my circumstance. That's what we say about ourselves. When someone else does something wrong, we blame it on their character. Right? I lied because I had to. He lied because he's a liar. It's a character flaw. right? So this is how we judge each other, and we have to be careful about what we do. A couple things I want you to know. Number one, when we fall short, when we sin, um, regardless of our maturity level, none of this surprises God. In Psalm 103, verse 14, it says this. He knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. God knows our weakness. He knows that we are only dust. And sometimes I think uh, we actually get hurt by other Christians because we put Christians on a pedestal and we expect them to be Jesus instead of looking to Jesus. And I know I've done that. And I think it's really, really important that that we do have Christian role models, but that even beyond them, that we look to Jesus as our example. The truth is, at some point, I will let you down as a pastor. If I haven't already, I'll say something that offends you. I probably said some things that offended people last week. I'll continue to say things and do things that people will take the wrong way or will hurt them. Uh, Even worse, sometimes I'll not do what you expect me to do and you'll be hurt by it. And 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 the truth of the matter is, um, I am still a work in progress myself. I am a sinner saved by grace. When I was in camp, we used to sing around the fire, and we used to sing this song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, because he's still working on me. And he is still working on me, and he's still working on you. And if we're going to do this life together as Christians, we have to have grace and humility in order to walk forward in this. And I know you look nice, you look great, you get your hair done, get your, but basically we're dressing up potting soil because each of us is dust. Each of us, our lives are short and we are dependent on God's grace. So as we begin to wrap up today, what I want to do is I want to turn to the example of Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13, verse 49, it says this, the word of the Lord was spreading through the whole region. But the Jews, the religious leaders, 
who claimed to love God and who even claimed to receive the message of the gospel at first, they incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city. Here's what they did. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. They ran them out of town. And what I think is so interesting about what Paul and Barnabas do when these religious people run them out of town and slander them, they don't quit the church. They don't walk away from their faith. They, they begin to process exactly what's going on. Maybe some of you were hurt by church in the past, hurt by a Christian in the past, and your response to it is, I can't go to church. I can't be around Christians. And while I understand those feelings, that kind of response doesn't actually scale with the rest of your life. If you have a bad experience at a restaurant, I'm pretty sure you don't decide you're never going to a restaurant again. I mean, nobody does that, right? You might complain, you might get a free meal, you might go to a different restaurant and not go back to that one, but you don't decide to not eat. This is the same thing. You go to work every day, and if people at your work are mean and backbiting and they, they're, they're doing things to hurt you, you, you might get another job, you might address the issue with your manager, but you don't just decide never to work again. And so it's crazy to walk away from our faith because of broken and flawed people. And Paul and Barnabas decide not to let the sins of other people keep them from the goodness of God. And here's what they did. Acts 13, verse 51. They shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. They shook it off. And I want to encourage you today, if you're listening to me and you've experienced hurt in church, you've experienced hurt from so-called Christians of whatever ilk, I want to encourage you to ask God to help you to shake that hurt off, to shake off the damage that was done. Because because honestly, if you don't, you'll continue to carry it around with you. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that it's going to be easy. I'm not saying, oh yeah, just everybody just shake your hands with me and everything's good. I'm not saying that it, it might take prayer. It might take a small group surrounding you. It might take counseling and then more prayer and more small group. It might take years but make the commitment to say, God, would you help me shake this off so that I can move forward? Because the one thing I, I know for sure, I've never seen someone carrying around bitterness, resentment, hurt, walking away from the church, walking away from Christians who's filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. I just have yet to see it. And so we have to figure out how we can shake it off and how uh, we can move forward. Look, I know I grew up in church. I've been hurt by church. And I, as I said earlier, I've probably hurt some of you. Maybe some of you have been hurt in this church. And all I can say to all of that is, is I'm sorry. And I apologize that that happened to you. And I want nothing more than for you to find health and restoration and for you to be able to somehow look past all of that junk, all of that humanity and to see Christ. Because I'll tell you what, in the scriptures, religious leaders abuse their power all the time, but Jesus never did. He served the least. He washed the feet of his disciples. He gave his life away. Religious leaders looked down their noses and judged everyone around them. I don't want to go near you. But Jesus accepted the sinner. He accepted the downcast. He loved them and died for them. That's the Jesus I follow. That's the Christian faith I want to have. And I want to encourage you, if you can, to look past all of that. And maybe if you've been hurt by people in church, which I think all of us have at some level, Maybe we need to look past people and see the one, the Christ whom we follow, who has given his life for us and is our example. I think uh, if you hate hypocrisy in the church, uh, Jesus does too. Jesus, in fact, has a zero tolerance policy for hypocrisy. Any of this, he says, no way, get it out of here. 
zero tolerance policy. But here's the good news. He also has unlimited grace for a sinner in need of forgiveness. One of the things that I want to be a core value for us as a pathway church is the core value of authenticity. And hypocrisy is, I'm this person, I'm this person, I'm this person, I'm, you know, you're two-faced, putting on a show. Authenticity is the exact opposite. Authenticity is taking off the mask, lowering the mask to say, hey, here's who I am. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of grace. Here are my struggles. And I, I hope and pray that Pathway Church, this community could be a place where you could be honest about your struggles, where you could uh, actually admit to the things you've done wrong, where we could process and heal together, support and encourage one another. And in just a moment, um, we're going to have an opportunity for prayer and reflection as we process and begin to process some of the hurt that's been done to us. But before we do, I want to share kind of two quick stories. One good one, one not so good one. Let's start with the not so good one. I had a friend years ago um, who had a concern with the church and he was encouraged to send a a letter to the leadership of the church about his issue. Makes sense, right? Share your struggle. And this friend of mine did that. And uh, the response that he got from the leadership of the church was anything but gracious, anything but tender. It was accusatory and angry. And um, to my knowledge, that person does not attend church anymore. The hurt and the damage that it caused was significant. And for whatever reason, either didn't want to or couldn't shake it off. And too many people, as I've talked to, have experienced things like that. Now, of course, I know on the other end that the leaders who responded in the wrong way were going through all kinds of difficult stuff and hurting themselves, but it doesn't change the fact that someone was hurt. And maybe you've experienced something like that where you've been hurt and damaged. The other story I want to share with you is like when I was a teenager, my parents were heavily involved in church and they saw a need in the church for youth and kids ministry that was not. And they began to lead and build something. And I thought they were doing a pretty good job. Maybe I'm biased, but they were doing a great job leading kids to faith. And then because of church politics, someone else wanted the position and was better at politics and came in and took it from them. And they were removed from the ministry And I remember seeing how much it hurt them. I remember seeing how much damage it did to the program. But I watched my parents to see how they would react. And they're certainly not perfect. But I watched them do this. They shook it off. And they continued to move forward. They didn't didn't let people doing people stuff shake their faith in Jesus. And I want to encourage you today as we close. That if there's something that's happened to you in the past. uh, I want to encourage you to, to shake it off. To shake off the dust. And to just receive God's grace. And if you can, in this moment, to look past people and to look past hypocrisy and to see the Christ who gave his life for you and to begin to process through the lens uh, of him. And, and we're going to hear our band is going to lead us in a song. But I really want to just give you this one question. And I guess two questions. One of them is this. Um, what hurt has happened to you? I want you just to take a moment to process and think about that. And then, I, and then I want you to ask and see if you can look past and see Christ and what he's done for you and ask him, Lord, would you help me shake this off? Would you help me heal? Would you help me move forward from this place? So that instead of questioning my faith and running from you, from running from your church, running from people, I can run into your arms.
Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be a part of what he is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.